0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bell Collective podcast. Bell Collective is a community for professional women who want to change stereotypes surrounding female travel and creative choices, and I'm your host, Alina Rudia. Today, my guest is a Ukrainian photojournalist and a documentary photographer, Anastasia Vlasova. In this episode, we discuss war and conflict photography, toxic masculine culture at a workplace, and the importance of female voices in contemporary photojournalism. Hello, Nastya, how are you? Hi, Alina. I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty okay. I mean, it's uh, not such a good weather today in Berlin, so I'm totally in the mood for uh, recording this podcast today. (laughs) Oh, really? It's baking hot in
1: Kiev. So it's actually, yeah, quite quite nice timing for me as well, because I hate being outside and working outside when it's like this.
0: All right. Well, uh, I'm really waiting for some hot weather here in Berlin, but uh, the 10 years that I've been living here, hot weather was not really a very often occurring event, uh, unfortunately. Well, I was lucky once. Once? Oh, you've been in Berlin once? Yeah, yeah, in May, and it was
1: like uh, 25. 23 degrees. I mean, that,
0: that definitely happens. I think uh, this weekend's going to be 30. So <laughs> we are uh, blessed with a good weather in the Corona times, unfortunately. <laughs> how is the situation in Ukraine right now with the Corona? Um, I, I'm asking um, every, every one of my guests uh, because they're from different countries. And I just wonder how, how, does, how, does, how is it in Ukraine right now? And uh, how did it actually influence your job? Well it would pretty pretty hard in the very beginning
1: because I had a few assignments with journalists who were supposed to come to uh, come to Ukraine and we were supposed to go uh, to uh, the Donbas area but it didn't happen just because the air connection got uh, cancelled and I mean so uh, I felt pretty desperate because I didn't really know how to adjust to the situation. And I mean, in the very beginning, the streets were empty, the public transport was off. And uh, it was really hard for me as for uh, somebody who works with people directly to uh, understand understand the new boundaries uh, Mm -hmm. of the uh, new world. And uh, especially I was doing the story about the uh, fears uh, that... uh, came to people during the corona time um, it was dedicated to those uh, first um uh, first level of uh, kind of easing in the uh, quarantine from the government side like the metro started working recently so um we spoke i spoke about uh, i spoke with people who developed the fears of like you know society being in the crowds of the public transport and i had a character who uh, who has diabetes and who's like really uh, scared of getting sick and of getting infected and uh, so it was for me it was really important not to uh, put yourself into the risk situation and uh, to keep distance and uh, at the same time to be able to do the uh, pictures uh, that I wanted to to show your kind of fear. <laughs>
0: As a photojournalist, um, you are, as you said, you're working with people a lot, but do you actually have that many assignments right now, or is it really limited to a certain extent?
1: Well, I would say that now they started to happen, um, as I think... uh, the most, you know, uh, the, the, the topic of just coronavirus uh, kind of uh, uh, got easier, you know, and now we're, we started talking about uh, the issues that uh, came on the side, like the issues in the society that came on, this, on as the side effect of the pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. Like, for example, I've been working on the uh, surrogacy uh, topic for uh, many years, and I've been following uh, the situation and the very recent story I did came out, I think, uh, in in spring. And Mm -hmm. uh, when the uh, quarantine and the lockdown came into action, uh, this new scandal spread with the uh, clinics and the surrogate babies born in Ukraine and who cannot uh, be reached by their parents. And uh, just yesterday, I think, like, few Argentinians, well, not a few, um, a lot of Argentinian couples uh, uh, just... Took their babies from the this hotel where they were kept. So uh, actually, like for uh, many social issues, uh, which were already uh, not in the uh, perfect state and which mm-hmm. were not working work uh, ideally, they just got you know quite uh, catalyzed. They just got catalyzed by the quarantine and the whole uh, stressful economical situation in, in Ukraine.
0: Oh yeah, I've been hearing uh, about this issue, uh, about this, this story about the surrogate babies. Uh, I think it was um, in the media, like actually even in Germany, they would publish uh, publish it. And I was following this topic for a while because I was really surprised to know that uh, Ukraine is basically number one country in the world for the amount of surrogate mothers. It's been going on for
1: a long time and uh, since uh, India uh, made it illegal, Ukraine became kind of, uh, yeah, the most popular. Well, it's a a difficult Mm -hmm. issue and I kind of, in my work, I prefer uh, the topics which are not kind of visual, but uh, which uh, require, you know, some struggle, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think. Well, I usually enjoy working on such topics more when you kind of don't see the threat, but you need to create it through the mood of your photographs. So, uh, yeah, this is one of the uh, themes that I follow for quite long.
0: You are a photojournalist as well as documentary photographer. Uh, Moreover, you're concentrated on uh, conflict and war photography how did you actually come to this profession? And what influences did you have? Like, where did you study? And yeah, how did you how did you start this?
1: Well, back in the days, you know, when there was no women photograph group and uh, there was no such uh, uh, discussion about uh, female war photographers in the society, of course, my inspiration when I was 18 were movies like uh, War Photographer, about Mm -hmm. Jim Notway and uh, uh, the Band Band Club. And uh, I was kind of uh, into this romantic uh, perception of uh, the uh, job of a documentary photographer photographer that you need to go to places uh where people struggle where uh you kind of uh show what is happening and uh, you give them uh, the voice and uh, all this kind of thing that you believe in when you're 18. And uh, then suddenly when uh, the revolution and then the Crimean annexation and war in Ukraine happened, I realized that, uh, I mean, these are not the things that I would expect to happen in my country. and. Uh, But I mean, as for more Ukrainian photographers, it became kind of catalyst to um, grow really fast and develop Mm -hmm. and to look for the opportunities. And I wouldn't say that it was a choice that I made to cover the revolution, to cover the war. It felt like a route that... uh, I found and that found me and I just couldn't uh, say no to what was happening and I couldn't stay uh, inside during the Euromaidan revolution even though uh, during that time I was working with uh, uh, two male photographers uh, and uh, it was actually like the photo editor was quite uh, patronizing and he was like you shouldn't go there and uh, would not allow me to do my work properly uh, and uh well, even though I kind of felt that that is the place where I need to be, and even when uh, I felt quite scared uh, at Vysotskaya Street because uh, the uh, the gas grenades, tear gas grenades were exploding, and the uh, snipers were sitting on top of the building, and you should you you had to be aware of that, and uh, with all the uh, gear that you were carrying, like uh, the uh, mm-hmm. mask and. Uh, the vast. The I mean, I get. I was really like stressed, and um, I was really scared. And uh, I remember even uh, calling my mom and saying, "I mean, I feel that this is the place that where I need to be, but I'm I'm scared." And <laughs> she uh, she she knew that I'm stubborn, and uh, if I if I feel that something is uh, is my is my decision, something is. Uh, according to what I want to do in life that uh, mm-hmm. you can't say no to that so she gave me an advice like saying well but you know that it's not gonna end uh, like soon so each day you can go there and like you you will finally adjust you know and I think that, that it's gonna be easier for you and um, I really respect her for that for giving such you know support mm-hmm. even though I don't think that she herself knew what I was getting into but she was always trusting me when I was in Crimea and when I was in uh, Donbass she would always be really supportive and of course she would check on me and uh, uh, get like you know stressed and a bit you know angry if I don't reply in time saying that Uh I'm okay and where I'm where I am she's always uh, really supportive in that way so Uh uh, it it just kept it just all happened like quickly same as uh, the situation was developing in ukraine like after the kind of ending of uh, Euromaidan when Yanukovych flew the country i immediately went to uh, Crimea and uh, i stayed there uh, before during and uh, after the uh, the annex- the uh, referendum and then mm-hmm. i spent uh like sometime at the uh, Kherson border, Kherson area border, where I'm originally from, uh, mm-hmm. expecting that they might there might be some escalation going on from the peninsula. Yeah, and then we thought about Odessa. So I and my and the journalist, I usually work with uh, Oksana Grzenko. We went to Odessa area. And then when uh, the things started happening uh, in Donbass in early, in early April, uh, so, we went straight to lugansk, and uh, that 's how it all started <laughs>
0: that's that 's a huge journey. You actually kind of answered a lot of questions I was going to ask, but maybe we can go a little bit deeper discussing in particular uh, aspects of your job like for example you 've mentioned that you worked with an editor and with male colleagues uh, when you first started. So uh, the question would be, uh, can you go a little bit deeper uh, whether you have encountered really like sexism and just gender discrimination from your bosses or colleagues? And uh, what, in your opinion, are the main problems which women face in this industry uh, from your own experience, probably in Ukraine, uh, because that's pr- mostly where you work?
1: Well, I think that uh, in, in, in my field... Uh, being a woman and coming into the profession uh, which is uh, predominantly occupied by males and uh, especially in in our grounds it's just this you know those prejudice that uh, they have that you're not gonna make it. That uh, it's just like some period of time, like some few months or maybe a year that you're gonna be into this, but mm-hmm. you're not gonna you're not gonna make it. Like at uh, the physical shoots, I think it's just those basic. It comes from those basic prejudices that uh, this is a male profession and uh, women has mm-hmm. have nothing to do with it. And uh, basically, 20 years ago in Ukraine, there among women photographers, there used to be just uh, Mila Tishaeva and Anya Vajdenka I might not be knowing of uh, somebody working like in the uh, photojournalism field in modern Ukraine um, mm-hmm. but I think that's basically it so I just feel that you feel this pressure from uh, editors and from uh, male colleagues that uh, you're just not gonna make it and they don't take you seriously even uh, recently a friend of mine um, Oksana Perifiniuk who is uh, also mm-hmm. a documentary photographer in Ukraine and uh, she she's done a few projects that's been published uh, in Washington Post and uh, in many other uh, foreign uh, media outlets and uh, still she just uh, recently described me the situation when she went to I think it was a women's march and uh, she carried two cameras because one was that she uh, borrowed from her uh, partner, who's also a photographer. And uh, our common friend uh, met her and uh, he greeted her was like, oh, hey, Oksana. So you're like a real photographer today. You're carrying two uh, cameras, right? And Jesus. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think it's just, uh, it takes much more time for you to get into this uh, serious, you know, understanding by male colleagues. And for me, I think it Mm -hmm. happened after uh, most of them saw me working in uh, Donbass. That's how I kind of, uh, yeah, got into this uh, crowd of, you know, people who... Treat you as a photographer because you're a woman. Yeah, it's 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 kind of a longer process. Even though, like you you encounter much younger colleagues, male colleagues who uh, have been to the uh, profession uh, not that long, but you still that mm-hmm. they kind of connect and they kind of you know get this respect much faster than uh, females. It was this uh, U.S. Secretary of State Pompeo visit uh, to Ukraine. Uh, like, you know, this really protocol, handshake, shoot. Uh, And there was a huge crowd of photographers and videographers and uh i was the only female photographer in that crowd mm-hmm. and uh yeah it, uh, we went there with oksana profinyuk also she but she wasn't uh, photographing for the wire that day and uh she she was the one who actually noticed it because she was like standing from from the side that basically yeah. it was just me who was a female photographer in that huge crowd of yeah videographers and photographers so it's it is pretty raw here in mm-hmm. terms of uh, that and i've also That's... heard the stories from mm-hmm. uh, my female colleagues uh, who worked for the uh, ukrainian uh, newspaper today mm-hmm. that uh, she had to sign the contracts when she was hired for the job that uh, she's not going to be getting pregnant in the next three years and mm-hmm. uh, she didn't really take it seriously but she was like, "Well, I mean, I did sign it, but uh, I know that if I meet a person and I really want to have a baby, I would not care about any kind of uh, contracts that I signed but anyway i mean the the, the fact that uh, male photographers don't need to sign that thing and mm-hmm. they don't uh, the expectations are much higher for the female photographers." I mean, for yeah. for myself, remembering of how I was starting and uh, these early years at the Kiev Post, uh, when my male colleagues, the photo editor and the photographer, used to criticize my shoots, like, really out loud, uh, so that the whole newsroom could hear, like, oh, these images are so much shit that we can't publish them even online. You know, I mean...
0: And you they and understand. they did and they did not do it to anyone else to any other male photographers.
1: No, no, they didn't. Okay. Even the uh, colleague of mine, which I actually introduced uh, to to the uh, office, because uh, our other photographer got traumatized on the shoot, and uh, like we were looking for uh, somebody to replace him while he was on recovery, like quite immediately and uh, I reached out to a friend of mine for, uh, for that time who recently, I mean, he was photographing on film, like, you know, some street photography and stuff like that, and he recently bought a digital camera, and mm-hmm. uh, he was uh, doing some freelance but looking for a job, and uh, I actually introduced him to, to the office, so he was, like, really quite new to the uh, photojournalism, like, newsroom like kind of newspaper journalist thing and the thing that we were doing. And he never got so much uh, attacks for his job not being done proper level. And of course it happens. It happens to every kind of photographer, especially when you work like really 24 seven and uh, you need to, like we took shifts when we had uh, like for two or three shoots during the day it was like pretty Mm -hmm. harsh so I guess well everyone makes mistakes and that's that's fine well because we're all human we're robots but uh, my male colleagues never had never been criticized Mm -hmm. so much for uh, doing any kind of mistake like being late for a shoot or even not coming up not coming on time to uh, the office after being on vacation you know, it was all kind of easier for them than it was for me.
0: This is really crazy that women really have to prove someone, not just to themselves, but like to all this men around them, that they are basically like, you have to kind of like, prove that you can play with them in the same, you know, on the same playground, even though obviously you shouldn't be doing this, you know? this is why it's so great that uh, organizations like women photograph uh, actually exist because then you actually meet other women and not and you're not just surrounded by by men who are having their own little club and they're not basically i mean as if you need to, some kind of initiation to get accepted to to their club like you need to prove that you are like 10 times better than any kind of male photographer in order to just get a get a foot into into their space this is this is ridiculous that we still have to do it and after all you you won all those awards uh you were a magnum foundation human rights and photography fellow in nyu you've attended eddie adams workshop which is like one of the hardest uh photo uh, documentary photography uh, workshops you can ever get in i i've got only uh, onto a waiting list so <laughs> i'm definitely not not even as close and and still you have to 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 constantly prove yourself when you are already an established photographer just because you're a woman you have to constantly like show that you are so much better than anyone else just to be on the same level as some novice male photographers because you're not taking taken seriously just because of how you look and like, yeah, that you have basically a vagina. This is this is ridiculous. I still cannot believe
1: that. It, it, it got mental. It got really mental because. Uh my uh, three of my male colleagues, the photo editor, the, uh, and two other male photographers, uh, they created, uh, the closed, uh, Facebook chat.
0: I mean, uh-huh. we had,
1: um, the, uh, like, you know, the usual chats that you have with your coworkers when you communicate about the shoots, about the schedules, if you need to switch with someone like the really regular thing. And, uh, I came to. We had one uh, working space in uh, the office, and I remember I came uh, to to the office uh, after a shoot because I needed to uh, download my files, and um, I opened the uh, our working computer, and. Uh, like somebody just forgot to uh, switch off the uh, the Facebook page. And the, the first thing I saw was that it uh, was this Facebook chat and the uh, messages, uh, with my name popping uh, popping up you know so Mm -hmm. uh, yeah i discovered this uh close chat for them where three adult men were really like constantly discussing uh what i do how how much i earn for my job uh how much i think that uh i'm good but i'm not comparing my work to some like already established photographers uh, and to the things that they've done for uh, several years it, got, I was, it, it was really ridiculous, but it felt like really disgusting because I assumed that it happens not only on my working place and uh, these toxic masculine uh, male, male communities at work, I think they also get really jealous if uh, somebody who they think is a lower class and uh, a lower gender to them uh, can do good at their work and to mm-hmm. actually have some success
0: and also mm-hmm. be younger than them. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, you, you're, t- you're telling me this, this is uh, almost good to hear because that, that exact thing happened to me. I mean, I, I'm a travel photographer and I was traveling with a bunch of guys uh, far away um, yeah, I was the only woman on the uh, in the group and we were doing uh promoting a tourist destination. I'm not going to be like uh selling names or uh, I mean if they ever hear hey. this they 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 will know exactly who they are. And we had a little group chat uh with all of us on WhatsApp and we were also discussing like oh, are we going to go there tomorrow? And you know, like I thought, oh, those guys are cool, you know, like it's, it's nice. We had some like really great time together while we were in the capital city and then we moved actually together to a different part of the country where I was just alone with them without any like tourism people where there were actually some women as well so I was the only woman and then when that's when I'm discovered that they created a little group chat they were discussing me they were discussing uh, women photographers because I told them quite proudly and I thought they would support me because you know they were mostly Germans And, uh, yeah, I thought they would support like the idea that like I've created this, uh, female travel photography group, um, Bell Collective. And instead of that, they were making fun of women. They were making fun of me. They were constantly, yeah, basically also, uh, judging, uh, me and other women on their, uh, appearance. So, uh, I learned that apparently, yeah, if you are a female photographer or any kind of professional and you want to have some, with some men, it's either they want to fuck you or they just want to fuck with you so <laughs> it's either that or that and uh, unfortunately it was very unfortunate and I was really really sad because I really felt like I was betrayed uh, in, a, in a in a way they don't see you as a peer a lot I mean I'm not talking about old men of course and uh, but there there are a lot of those who definitely Either they see you as a sex object, and that if they're not interested in you sexually, then they just not take you seriously as a professional. I mean, either. So yeah,
1: yeah. There are really unique, situ- unique and rare situations uh, of uh, men who who take you seriously, no matter uh, uh, have you win some, have you won some awards, have you been to the war zone or not. And it also mm-hmm. really depends on personality. I would say it really does. But uh, yeah, about your uh, your trip. I guess you didn't take the uh, cargo pants with you. Yeah, to fit yeah. in. <laughs> so if you come uh, if you come and shoot, uh, wear a dress. And even if you're super comfortable uh, wearing that, of course, uh, there would be uh, questionings about how you look and how you should look and how you should not. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, maybe in Europe, it's a little bit different, of course, because I've never I I never tried to really like wear a dress or really fit in or, you know, I never thought of this. I think here it's a little bit still a little bit different than in Ukraine, for sure. And maybe even much different because generally, um, I think there are particular gender issues in Ukrainian society, which are still quite different, even though sometimes I can't even Understand where they're coming from because I think during the Soviet times, women were working uh, alongside men, uh, like in on the factories. They were doing all the work. They were not not really housewives. So I don't know where this particular attitude is coming from now. That you know, all women are just yeah interior inferior to man are there actually particular gender issues in ukraine which you would like to address i mean you already talked about your job but maybe i mean obviously all these things are taking yeah. their roots in the gender issues in ukrainian society yeah
1: I, I would say it's really hard when you go uh to some rural areas even working at uh, the war zone and uh, communicating with uh, servicemen from different parts of uh, Ukraine uh, who probably are not that, you know, gender educated uh, can be really hard because from uh, uh, at the first glance, like you get access like easier than men because it's just easier to to connect and uh, to to trust a woman, I would say. And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think it's also one of the factors why they started hiring more uh, women to the new police. (laughs) But at the same time, when you get really uh, harassed, ...from the uh, side of... ...you know, some random people... ...from uh, no matter, is it like... Bakhmut or Severodonetsk... ...or Chernihiv or... uh, Mm -hmm. ...some village that you take a... ...Mashrutka from... ...if you you were a male, it would be just much easier... ...to feel safer... uh, ...on the street... ...to feel safer... uh, ...with uh, the driver... ...in the car... ...and you know, that you're carrying an equipment... ...and uh, I had situations... Like really when uh, I was working like uh, at uh, some checkpoint or uh, yeah I was at the checkpoint that time when uh, some military commander uh, from the very beginning he met me and my female colleague, journalist Oksana Pletsenko mm-hmm. uh, he was uh, constantly saying like oh if it was me I wouldn't allow women uh, cross even like the first checkpoint like even to go to Konstantinovka uh, where you can go by train uh like women shouldn't be allowed to divorce zone like women should sit at home and uh, make borscht and uh pierogi you know like literally and uh, you know you hear that the first time and then he says that the second time and then the third time and you're a human being i mean constantly like of course i i replied saying like okay, I mean, you're uh, a serviceman here and uh, I'm a photojournalist here. Maybe we should both do our job and like not interrupt each other. After which he got like really aggressive and really like jumping on on me, screaming Mm -hmm. that uh, I will break your camera, get out of here, you shouldn't be working here, like get out, screaming and shouting and looking like he's not, like he's insane and uh, even like the the soldiers who were uh, next to him I mean we of course I I stepped back and uh, the the soldier the other soldiers uh, they just uh, took us back to um, the other side of the checkpoint and said like Mm -hmm. just wait in here and he will go like somewhere he has to go now and then you can continue you shouldn't you shouldn't bother by that so at least from their side it was like adequate and it was it was fine and uh, I would say from uh, my experience of working with uh, servicemen like for the first 15 minutes of uh, your conversation you should mention in uh, the dialogue places you've been areas you've worked to show that you're in the area that you're Mm -hmm. uh, not some random girl who came from Kiev like they they call you like девочки like girls, girls like -hmm. that's how they uh, like they they respond to you and uh, that's how you you, yeah, you so you also need to, like, you know, prove that you're uh, you're here not uh, by some uh, accident. That you're doing your job and you, you, you're, you're a real photographer, not some girl with the camera. So at least in this case, it was kind of adequate. I mean, it's just really hard because uh, together with the issues of uh, your job in the conflict area like mm-hmm. getting access, uh, being safe and uh, thinking about uh, doing a story and uh, following your narrative, you also need to constantly be aware that uh, you need to prove yourself and uh, there may be situations with some really inadequate man who mm-hmm. can get really aggressive and not give you access just because you're a girl, девочка.
0: Okay. But do you feel that uh, probably in this kind of situations, is there any preference for you um, whether you shoot more uh, female-centered stories or male-centered stories in your your personal projects? Because obviously, there are so many stories which are female-centered and they are just not shown uh, because there's mostly men photographers who are either not interested or they cannot just really get deep into the story because they're just uh, they're not trusted by other women what is your position here
1: i prefer feel like let's yeah women centered stories just because this is my nature and uh, this th- these are things that i feel are interesting uh even like surrogacy i'm not i don't have uh, a child and uh, i'm not actually into kids and i don't really plan having kids but i think that these topics are that that concern female body and uh, the way women are treated in the society just because i'm one of them and uh, i cannot stay uh, silent while i see that so many female issues are being muted in mm-hmm. ukraine just because the issue of sexism and uh, gender education is in, on such, you know, I would say, Middle Eastern level, like you, 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 you can find and you can meet men from Kiev, from like Lviv or like Kharkiv or like big cities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who uh, know what sexism is, who are aware of uh, the problematics. But uh, even among my uh, fee- my male colleagues, each year photographing the, fem- uh, the, f- the Women's March, uh, mm-hmm. they laugh uh, behind, uh, or not even behind uh, our back, saying like, oh, what is the discrimination? Why do you feel discriminated? Oh, are you here because you're with them or because you're photographing? Like, I really got those questions. Even from males, Correct. I thought that are quite, quite you know, supportive in that way. But they still think that if you're a feminist, you're kind of like mar- marginalized group. So they still mm-hmm. think that this is something that you should be embarrassed of. And being a male feminist is like you know something that is from outer planet. And my partner is one of them, so I'm like living with a <laughs> unicorn. So anyway, yeah, the same. For example, I had a situation uh, uh, which is a good example of that uh, getting access easier to uh, even uh, soldiers in the trenches. I remember I was photographing on the checkpoint and uh, uh, suddenly a bus with uh, the soldiers came to the checkpoint and uh, these were the soldiers who went to have a bus. To Bakhmut, it's uh, the mm-hmm. Donetsk area, the Ukraine-controlled uh, area, and uh, they were returning to uh, their uh, redoubt, which was like basically in the middle of uh, the field. So they had to walk mm-hmm. from this checkpoint, and because uh, I'm always, uh, I'm always sneaky. I try to uh, get lost where uh, uh, I'm being controlled by the uh, uh, press officers and any kind of. Uh, officers in a way to see kind of a real picture so i just started walking with them and taking photographs of them like walking through the field and it was sunset time so it was kind of yeah it was kind of visual and uh one of the commanders who pretty much looked like you know he he would be my father he just looked at and he he asked me child are you going with us And the way he, like, you know, he addressed me, like, child, Mm -hmm. and I just smiled and said, yeah. And I just kind of walked with them to their redoubt and I took pictures uh, and it was fine. And then um, there was uh, a lot of alcohol coming around during that time because uh, it was a big battle and there were many losses and uh, Mm -hmm. one of the soldiers came out from the uh, trenches and he was uh, a bit drunk and uh, he started like you know uh, flirting with me like in a drunken way and uh, it reached to the point when uh, he started just standing Like standing in front of me, enabling me of taking photographs of people who did not mind me taking photographs of them, just because Mm -hmm. he was asking for my phone number. And uh, it got to the point where I physically could not photograph you know so that's why I say it has like those both two ways of how people Mm -hmm. uh, take you as uh, a female some like you know want to protect you and assist you and uh, like they see you as uh, a child you know and uh, Mm -hmm. the others uh, they might see you as a sexual object once again
0: generally you've traveled so much to eastern ukraine to cover the war i can imagine you felt unsafe generally because it's it's a war many times but also now you're telling me that you also felt like kind of unsafe because you were a woman so were there actually moments where you felt uh, like where you felt unsafe and you actually feared for your life in the war situation, and did you feel that you were like even in more danger because you were a woman?
1: Well, I was detained when uh, working in Donetsk. Um, and I was uh, with uh, uh, my male colleague, um, American uh, photographer Ellen Chin when we were working on the occupied territory. I was the only Russian-speaking person from uh, two of us. Uh, I was the one who got interrogated um, while he was waiting outside the the room. And uh, yeah, that felt pretty harsh and uh, especially Mm -hmm. because they were playing this game of uh, good cop, bad cop, and the one who was uh, probably uh, uh, the former state security or something like that, because you could you could say the way he was doing this whole interrogation thing, even though he was claiming that he is just a former uh, coal miner from the area. But of course, when you're in the room with uh, the armed man, and you realize that uh, the the main Uh, problem in that situation is that uh, I have uh, the uh, Ukrainian passport and uh, well luckily I'm not registered in Kiev because that would uh, make the situation even worse but I'm Mm -hmm. registered in Kherson area and uh, because it's easy to google me and to see uh, where I work and uh, stuff like that yeah. So it was pretty stressful to come up with the story and uh, everything. And because I was with the American citizen who is mm-hmm. actually of the Chinese origin, but he looks Chinese, but he speaks English and he doesn't speak Mandarin. He speaks Cantonese. Like, so basically I was uh, convicted on aiding in espionage. So mm-hmm. yeah, oh, he God. was, uh, yeah. Yeah, so it, it was really ridiculous if to go into the details. But yeah, it felt pretty uh, pretty scary. And I would spoke about it with Ellen when it all ended. Uh, mm-hmm. Because afterwards, when we finished our interrogation part, they said that they will let us go just because their shift was ending. And uh, they will, were kind of bored. And they had some newcomers coming in. Like they mm-hmm. suddenly had a call that some... Uh, other journalists got detained in mm-hmm. uh, the um, Donetsk airport area and they were just bringing them to the special department, as they called it, for the interrogation. So they just mm-hmm. decided that they played enough with it with us Mm -hmm. with me and they decided that they want to give an explanation to alan who was sitting outside all this time so they brought alan and uh, like for an hour they were explaining the guy was explaining to him uh like in a gentle manner and by that point already had uh uh our tea and basically how i understood that uh, the the ice have cracked is uh when i asked for the tea and uh they uh-huh. brought it in and then i said well do you have sugar and he was like yeah and he had to come back for sugar and when i realized <laughs> that uh, that's when i realized that uh the the ice has cracked and now like we're safe so uh we're already drinking tea but he was like really for for this uh, hour explaining to Alan what had happened why they detained us uh, and why they had to do that and I was like fuck it went on for an hour I was like so tired I like literally could not like speak physically anymore and like oh, yeah. doing the translation and
0: stuff this is like some well, really really harsh stuff I mean I, I cannot imagine like this is really something where you 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 don't even know like what to do or what's going to happen especially if you do if you deal with people who might or might not be like special services at the same time uh you don't really know what are they gonna do i mean whether they're gonna respect uh, that you're a journalist or they just gonna do whatever they want and i mean we all hear the stories. How journalists get uh, killed, detained, uh, they get captured. uh.
1: To never play a hero, I mean, that's how you deal with this situation. You gotta negotiate. Only in the movies you see like heroes being under interrogation and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I guess. I guess sometimes it's smarter to just uh, play whatever you play different roles. Um, I have let's go a little bit away from the gender issue I mean I have still a few questions to you about the photography and the um, specifics and uh, kind of ethics um, of photojournalism and documentary photography and uh, basically photojournalism and documentary photography uh, they are more believable by general like for general public because they're supposed to show reality and uh, they're presumably not staged. Nevertheless, there's always like a room of manipulation and we all know how uh, different photos are used uh, for political propaganda and, uh, you know, just a different commentary under the same picture can totally change the perspective of uh, people who, who see it. Uh, At the same time, there are even photojournalists and documentary photographers, they also work in the areas where people cannot just like go and prove for themselves what is happening. So we kind of have to believe them. I remember like some few years ago, you told me the story that there were actually photographers from the West who would go to Eastern Ukraine and basically stage a shoot and then they would like present it as something real, and how yeah. often do you think this actually happens, and uh, what are the dangers of it?
1: Well, the point is that you can never uh, you can never prove that you can never know i mean okay. in my case it 's just because uh, when people work in uh, the same area and uh, they uh, meet. Uh, kind of the same people like there are there are uh, stories uh, about it and uh, what actually kind of developed my approach is uh, but people even from the small villages, even the one who could never like, you know, write to uh, big media outlets who publish their stories to say that this was wrong or like my story was manipulated or I did not mm-hmm. give my, uh, uh, I did not say that you can mention uh, my name or stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. even people who cannot uh, do that, they still understand what is false. They still understand when you're lying to them and, uh, well, I I usually keep that in mind. I always keep that in mind, and then being really transparent with uh, my characters, and mm-hmm. especially in the cases where uh, I need to hide the, hide the identity, and uh, like for example, the story was uh, about surrogacy in Ukraine. Uh, I'm photographing these surrogate mothers, and I'm hiding mostly mostly hiding their identity. Uh, mm-hmm. By this point, there's been only one. Uh, one woman who uh, wanted, who didn't want uh, her identity hidden. Um, so I usually show them photographs uh, straight from my camera. I'm explaining them to, I'm explaining them what I'm gonna do, what I'm doing, and showing them the images so that feel they feel okay with that. And uh, recently, I've I, I met the same surrogate mother I photographed uh, early this year and. Uh, She's is now uh, to give about to give birth, uh, and I saw her like at the early stages of her program, and um, uh, we did an interview with her, and I was photographing uh, her, her son, and her husband uh, who stayed like, in this apartment uh, in Kiev, and uh, I was I started showing her the images I was making again like we did the previous time, and she was like, oh no no I know I know I know what you're doing I mean. Uh, this, you told that it's going to be like the previous time, and uh, I really like the photographs that you made. So you don't need to show me each photograph mm-hmm. that you do, and uh, I really appreciate those moments. And I think that uh, this is what the documentary photography is about. It's about the long-term mm-hmm. relationships with people, and uh, sometimes. Uh, being a photojournalist and doing a lot of stories, you meet a lot of interesting people almost every day, or you communicate with them. And uh, so I may not like recognize the face exactly, uh, but it's really nice when somebody recognizes you and uh, it's not in the way that all oh, those journalists, they came to our village and they talked about their griefs mm-hmm. and uh, they said that they're going to change something and we're going to get help, but we never get help. Uh, and this is well, th- this is one of the stories that I keep hearing all the time to people, no matter to to where trouble to to which troubled areas you go, whether it's Donbass or I've recently been to this uh, fires, uh, uh, the, the places, uh, the villages where uh, there were fires in Chernobyl zone, and mm-hmm. uh, people say something like, "Oh, you journalists, you always come and you promise us that there." is going to be help and then there is no help and uh, I'm always like how can you promise something that is not your job I mean I always promise people that uh, I can only tell their story and I mean unfortunately if I could could have done more but I mean I cannot rebuild their house I cannot like give them money because otherwise I mean I'm broke, right? Because if I, I cannot help everyone I meet. Mm-hmm. But the only thing I can do is to tell their story, and I, I really care about it, and I'm going to try yeah. to do that in the most ethical and comfortable way.
0: So mm-hmm. this is the only promise that you can make. You're showing people stories, but uh, I mean, when we're talking about reality, it's still rather subjective because you have your own views and uh, life angles like maybe uh, are aligned with those uh, views and beliefs that you have uh, are you actually striving for objectivity in your photos or do you show your own personal views on the
1: there's there's no objectivity i mean otherwise we would we would be replaceable by the webcams or drone cams, you know, Mm -hmm. and that was what actually still makes photojournalism and documentary photography uh, what it is well, it's this connection that you share and this intimacy that you share with the character and the way that you see this topic and the way that you Mm -hmm. do your research and uh, that's why there's this huge responsibility on our shoulders to, to do that in a in a proper way, let's say, to, to do that, not from just one point of view. And uh, speaking about uh, the topics and uh, the uh, the characters, I'm really subject driven in my work. So uh, for me, it's if I see. Uh, somebody or something that I can relate to. I'm like insatiable in the topic and I'm really going deep into it. And, uh, I read a lot. I uh, speak a lot with people and, uh, mm-hmm. I try to show this feeling that I get from, uh, you know, this, this, this whole topic or issue. And I think that that's what makes, uh, each story unique, right? Because yeah. there, there are no themes or topics that had not been photographed or uh, filmed before. It's just like this approach, this angle that we choose that makes it different.
0: Do you actually, uh, that's like a little bit related to this, but do you actually believe that there is a specific female gaze? Uh, like is female photography and photojournalism different from the male? Because you just mentioned that like, you know, like uh, almost all topics were photographed. Now that there are more and more female photojournalists, do you think that they actually add something to, to the stories that they're taking pictures of? Basically, it's not only women. about
1: the female or male gaze. It can be a gaze from the person from the community it can be uh like the uh, LGBT uh, gay photographer who's also I think is more appropriate in showing the uh, LGBT concerned stories than somebody Mm -hmm. who's not, who's outside from the community. I mean, I've been to the situations when I'm an outsider and I don't say that uh, we should all like, you know, photograph what is appropriate but I would Mm -hmm. say that the world is diverse and we need to see it through all kind of uh eyes and all kind of you know we need to hear all the voices and mm-hmm. if you just uh hear the male voices and see what they what they what they see i mean it just uh cuts a lot of diversity from the world right
0: so yeah, yeah. this is this is great this is something which we uh, i think forget uh very often that uh, we really need this kind of variety of views and uh, it's, yeah, I mean, of different people, of different colors, of different uh, genders and uh, ethnicities, uh, backgrounds. Uh, because I yeah, I mean, if it's if it's all photographed by a white male, uh, whether it's a story from from. Uh, from the U.S. riots, or is it uh, in the Eastern Ukraine? And um, sometimes it's just like maybe really lacking lacking the angle uh, of the people who are closer to to the subject matter and for whom it really probably matters on a personal level.
1: I would say that it's also about uh, the... uh vulnerability of the situation of the mm-hmm. uh, female uh, subject female character uh, mm-hmm. I actually prefer character more <laughs> yeah yeah uh, but uh, like for example if uh, there's a woman Who's been uh, the victim of domestic violence for example I think it's more it would be more appropriate to uh, for the editors to hire the uh, female crew to work with uh, the character others and uh, yeah because uh, you just realize some some logic things that uh, you need to you need to adjust to the subject and to mm-hmm. the topic and to find people who are the most appropriate for that particular story. And uh, it's same about uh, local photographers, hiring, hiring local journalists and photographers other than... Uh, uh, flying, you know, some uh, international American or European photographers to show uh, how they see Ukrainian war in an assignment, which is like two weeks, no matter how mm-hmm. good your fixer, local fixer is. But I think that, of course, local voices would go more in depth in their mm-hmm. narrative
0: Uh, so uh just to finish our quite long interview i mean it was so amazing to talk to you uh on so many levels but it's it's just so interesting to to see your perspective on on the things and how brave you are and how you traveled uh to the most dangerous uh, spots in uh, in in europe right now you you can say uh, but gif give probably some words of advice to the younger generation, probably to the younger generation of, uh, of, of uh, women photographers. I believe that there are lots of girls who would love to have such a role model as you. So what, what would be your words of advice? I would say that you,
1: you have to listen to yourself always. And uh, I wouldn't say that uh, you shouldn't be listening to what other men say because women, Can also be quite patronizing and quite pushy, Uh, so like both both options uh, are possible. But I would say that you you should always first think about what you want to do and how you want to show things, and not about uh, the rules, which are so popular in our part part of the world.
0: Um, Mm -hmm.
1: When uh, now I explain uh, even like some basic uh, logic of how the camera works to, to some of my friends, uh, females and not females. And they ask me about, but tell me, tell me about the composition. Tell me about how everything should be like on the frame. And I'm like, there, there are basically no rules uh because i think that in uh, in the field of photojournalism photojournalism and documentary photography it's all about your perception and it's all about uh this kind of uh, intimacy and this kind of magic that you create with uh, your photograph and uh there shouldn't be any pressuring uh, from uh, the side of what you must get or uh, what you uh, should do in this or that situation because we're already, a lot, we're already pressured as uh, female photographers. Like even mm-hmm. uh, when hired by the uh, media outlets, um, I think that uh, this the first expectation from you as from a female is that you're going to fail, you're going to fail, that you're not going to make it. And uh, this pressure will also feel on ourselves that, you know, if you do something wrong, that they're going to say that, oh, that's because we hired a female. That's why she did something wrong. This is oh, like yeah. no surprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're, you're already pressuring yourself. I had some pretty nice advices in terms of the uh, visual expressing of uh, yourself from uh, the perfect, you know, explanation of uh, how it works was, we're like dancing, don't you feel that? And uh, I kind of felt at ease and uh, feeling that there are, really no boundaries in how you can tell your visual story and it can be whatever it is it's just about how you feel and what you want to say like if you have a message then there are numerous ways of delivering it
0: these are really great advice and this is really great words um anastasia i mean i really really am happy that i talked to you today and uh all your stories that uh, i mean they're I'm pretty sure there's the whole movie or a Netflix series hidden somewhere in there. So um, I'm I'm really wishing you all the best in your future work. I really hope to see you again when I'm back to Ukraine someday. And uh, thank you very much for joining me today. And uh, yeah, goodbye. Thanks. It was a pleasure. (laughs) And it is a wrap. Thank you for listening till the end of our Rebel Collective podcast. Talking to Anastasia about gender issues in Ukraine really touched a chord, and I'm really proud and happy that professional women like her are surviving and thriving despite all prejudice and stereotypes. I'm looking forward to speaking to more inspiring women in the podcasts to come, so please subscribe, tell a friend about Bell Collective, and stay out of a box!